In a world where busyness is worn like a badge of honor, it's almost impossible to imagine breaking free from the shackles of success. Working long hours, skipping meals, missing or being late to important life events, constantly playing catch up, exhausted to the bones. This has been normalized, especially in the medical and healthcare arena. Practice owners are fleeing to corporate practices or leaving medicine altogether in hopes of recapturing their time and energy. But you are here for a reason and you've been searching for answers. Welcome to Thriving Practice. I'm your host, Tracy Cherpesky. I'm an executive coaching consultant and time leadership expert. I'm mom to two amazing teenagers and a menagerie of adopted furry family members. I am on a mission to help practice owners take back at least one day per week for the rest of their careers so they can focus on healing their patients and falling back in love with their practice. Together we learn, connect with like-minded practice owners and medical business experts, and expand your connection to an international community of peers. In each episode, we discuss the business of medicine and healthcare, how to avoid the pitfalls of success, and how to improve the bottom line, paving the way to exquisite fulfillment in your career and life. Join us each week to learn how you can grow your practice while focusing on what you love most. You'll want to take notes. So let's go. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Thriving Practice, the business podcast for medical and healthcare practices where we help practice owners grow their business and take back their time. Today, we're picking up where we left off last week with Dr. Yishai Barkadari, clinical psychologist, podcast host, and entrepreneur extraordinaire. In this second part of our interview, we explore the concept of working on his business and how Dr. Yishai makes time for that each week, even though his practice is full with a waiting list. He sets aside six hours per week, every week, for business development. The only exceptions are during the Jewish holidays when he moves clients around and will have less time for dedicated high-level strategic thinking and planning. Yishai also shares with me his thinking on every business being a people business, and this is why he's dedicated his practice to working with business leaders, because as he puts it, healing leaders helps others heal, and this healing helps provide deeper insights, conversations, understanding, and impactful action. Listen to what he says about the research on the community impact of leaders having access to therapy. It's mind-blowing. I loved when Dr. Yishai talked about tinkering, which I call constant course correction, and that by playing with your business model, marketing, and exploring how your clients respond to changes, it's really something to be treated like life depends on it. Yishai's parting wisdom is very clear. One, Outsource what you can. Two, expand your capacity. And three, think long-term, work short-term. Yishai is such a great storyteller and how he breaks down his approach to growing his practice in such a short period of time while also keeping an eye to the life he wants to live is so enlightening and admirable. So I invite you to grab a beverage or a snack and settle in and take some notes and listen to Yishai and his incredible journey. Well, you said something that really struck a chord with me, which is, you know, you, as you've gotten more clear about who you work with, how you serve them, now when, when the ideal client comes through, we're going to speak in business terms, right? We wouldn't necessarily talk about this in terms of providing service to our patients, but 
there's a perceived value when you get the right people through the door, right? So if you have an area of expertise, which is you work with people in this, you know, high performing, high earning, they come in and they expect value from the get-go. When you have someone who has a different mindset coming through, the price just is a price. It's, you know, it's a cost to them Mm. or at that, you know, at that price point, it's a cost to them. And so I do think it's about attracting the right level and the right level of client, the right, you know, people who qualify to be your client or your patient. And I think it's really interesting. Of course, you're providing value. You're providing value to people who can't afford your rates as well. But the perception is at a particular level when you use the kind of language that your ideal client uses. So did you like jump inside their brains <laughs> into the language section of their brains and pull that out? <laughs> How did you? How I did listened. You yeah. So, you know, People talk about how therapists, like our job is to listen. It's not the only thing we do. Um, and there's a lot of other things that, that my brain is concurrently doing at the same time. One of the things that I realized is I got trained as a clinician to listen and think about what is going on internally for my patients and how to illuminate that process. Also, how to help improve that process. You know, think about it as a clock and one of the gears isn't perfectly fitting anymore. So now it might slip a little bit or the clock starts to run a little bit slow. And so what my brain is doing as they're talking is my brain is like, you know, taking out the back of the clock and watching all of the pieces with a microscope, Um, everything from the language to the topics they're talking about to even some of the subtext. And there's a lot of stuff that I'm tracking. And so I got trained to do that. What I didn't get trained in is to listen and think about, okay, when someone has an issue with this particular piece of the gear system, how do they talk about it? In other words, how does that look when the clock is ticking? And how does that look by way of pattern for this very specific group of people who have a very specific set of challenges? And so the shift that happened for me is I started actually paying attention to that in addition to tracking everything else. Or rather, I gave myself permission to think about it afterwards mm-hmm. because I'm already doing the listening. I'm already recording it. I'm already taking notes. I mean, not recording like audio. I mean, I'm already, you know, mentally filing things. Right. I'm, I'm already processing all of that. So as I'm doing that, I gave myself permission to, you know, not just lock that cabinet because it needs to be secured, um, but open that up in order to help me so I can help more people so that they can know that I understand exactly what's happening, both on the surface of the ticking, you know, handles and inside. Mm -hmm. And the beautiful thing that I've seen is the more I've been able to convey, here's what's going on inside of you, the more they're like, you are in my brain. How did you get there? Um, And that also allows them to see and people say, you know, you work with people, you know, like, and trust. And part of this is building that rapport and not just building it by way of, oh, you're so great or, oh, that's so nice. It's, I see you, this is important. It matters. It's hard. And here's how it's affecting you. And this is something that you feel 
importantly, even urgently, needs to get addressed. Or you see that if it's not urgently addressed, because it's not an emergency right now, right? It's not self-harm right now. If it isn't urgently addressed, then it can lead down a road, maybe not necessarily to self-harm, that doesn't have to necessarily be that catastrophic, but it can lead down to a road where your relationships aren't really going particularly well, or you're having a hard time, you know, connecting with your kids, or you're having conflict with your partner, you're finding yourself exploding in certain kinds of moments, or having these reactions, or, you know, the, the claws come out, or, you know, the, the boxing gloves, or, or the, you know, the sword comes out, when you're with someone that you love, and it doesn't, it's not helping them or you to pull that out. Uh, and there's a reason that that's happening, right? So that's all the stuff that like my brain is tracking. Like, where is that coming from? Why is that happening? How did that occur? And then what is the process to make these changes and shifts in order to not just have this one thing start to spill over into these other parts of your life? And that makes such an impact, even from the get-go, especially from the get-go. Yeah, and I think considering what you do for a living, this is a, a hugely important piece of the puzzle for your patients, your clients, but also for you. So I was, as you were saying this, I was thinking you also have to, might be a little strong, but I'll just go ahead and leave it at that. You, It's important for you to leave time for yourself to kind of process your day because you're wearing multiple hats. You're in your sessions with your patients, your clients, you are full-on provider. And you're not, you're, you know, maybe you're filing some things in your mind, but you're not sitting there thinking, oh, this is going to be great marketing copy. Like, this is not the way it works. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's clear. in the clinical file, not the business <laughs> file. Right. Yeah. So, so that's being in your business. How do you carve out time or do you have like blocks of time where you reflect on your day, think about the language that you heard and the patterns that you were able to observe? How do you create time to work on your business? Because, you know, if a patient goes away, you want to try to replace them pretty quickly with someone new or, you know, bring a new patient in. How do you do that? How do you manage all of that? In versus on the business. That's the mm -hmm. question, right? And yeah. here's what I did. I carved out six hours a week and I protect that time. I defend that time from anything clinically related. So. Those six hours, I won't see patients. I make certain exceptions. So for example, I'm Orthodox Jewish, they're Jewish, they're Jewish holidays, and sometimes there are days that I'm taking off that are not just vacation days. I mean, they're wonderful and I love them and I engage in them. And we're actually coming up on this year, end of September into October. There's a lot of holidays back to back and they're the same two days. Um, three out of four weeks. So that's really disruptive to my patients. So, you know, that's basically the, the only time really uh, that I will say, okay, for this month, these six hours are given to patients who want to reschedule. And, you know, I'm, I'm handing them my business development time mm -hmm. and my processing time in order to make sure this comes back to I care that much about what they're getting and weekly therapy is effective, especially mm -hmm. when someone's coming on a weekly basis. So that's like the only exception. And I like to say rules need to have flexibility and exceptions. You need to bake them in at the front and you need to put them in at the front 
and you need to know what they are, and then you need to not compromise on them. So there are a number of things that I do during those six hours. I don't only spend time thinking and sitting. I have a list right now of skills, uh, areas that I am like hammering on learning and developing. And so it's my business development time. There are times where I'll take an hour and I'll do a podcast, or I'll take an hour and I'll connect with someone who's a colleague. Uh, or who's in the trenches with me, uh, or I'll take an hour in the trenches doesn't mean they're doing clinical work alongside me. It means that they're also an entrepreneur, also a practice owner, and we're lifting each other up. So these are all things that fit into that kind of business development. So I I said this before, right? I engineered. Uh, I like to say I actually over-engineered. Um, and I'm glad that I did. In fact, I think it has been a huge source of the trajectory for me. I over-engineered my systems, my organization, my time. I was incredibly intentional about it and I won't give that up. Mm -hmm. There's one other time that I do some of the stuff and that's when I'm taking a shower because all the most you know interesting ideas show up when you're in the shower and of course your mind's wandering and um, <laughs> I like to take hot showers and they're just like really relaxing and then I really just kind of let my brain wander and I care deeply about my patients and I care deeply about helping them and more people like them. Um, we actually were having a conversation uh, earlier and you know, people say hurt people, hurt people. And you said to me, healed people, heal people. And so one of the things that's really deeply important to me in the philosophy that's in the mission that's under my underpinning my practice is when working with people who have a lot of influence. They own practices. They're hiring other people. They have contact with lots of other people. They have leadership positions. When working with people who own businesses, run businesses that have a, a, a great degree of success, they impact lots of people. Healing them touches everybody they touch. Mm -hmm. And there's actually some research that I think backs this up. In communities that have consistent access and high usage of mental health services, especially in like a community setting, suicide rates go down, even if the people most often getting therapy are not the ones who are experiencing suicidal ideation or suicidal intent. It's mind-blowing to me, right? More people get healed. Those people as healed people show up differently all around them. And then everybody around them gets impacted. So instead of somebody who's in a position of leadership coming in and because the one thing that gets in their way got got poked there's suddenly tearing you know apart somebody else's professional life or identity and instead of that person says oh this doesn't sit well with me i'm going to think about that and maybe they don't say the first part maybe they're like well it's an interesting thought i'm going to think about that and you know, sometimes then they come to me and we sit down, we work through it, we understand what's going on and how it, it poked, you know, pushed the big red button that they try to keep covered. What happens then, especially over time, is these people who have so much influence, who have such an impact on the people around them, who are surrounded by lots of people that are part of their business, their mission, their goal, whatever that is, their dream, all of these people are also having a different experience. And that's compounding. Mm -hmm. So I love that. And that's something that you kind of had said to me. I don't know if you got it from somewhere or it was just like spur at the moment. I just love that healed people, healed people. 
I heard that from someone else as we were having a conversation about, you know, understanding and having compassion for people who cause harm. And when somebody said, yes, it's true, hurt people, hurt people. And right. A yes. And healed people, heal people. Mm. I had just the biggest aha about the ripple effect, you know, that you have on your clients and that your clients being leaders in their organizations, communities, and, and whatnot, as they heal and, you know, continue to seek being better, right? When we show up better and differently and we put energy and intention into that, we create these huge ripples and just how, how the workplace needs that how humanity needs that, you know, mm-hmm. these are, these are dark and trying times. I think probably every generation says that we are really seeing that right now mm. and we need to not just look for the light, but we need to like create it and be a mm. light and, and bring some positivity and some, some healing into the world. So I think the work that you do really supports people in that and can have a great, a great impact. I want to tell people about your podcast, because I think that our listeners may want to also be your listeners. I think what you do over on your podcast is really supportive of business people, especially people who are mission-driven, which I think is probably true for most medical and healthcare providers. So tell us about The Business Couch. Yeah. The Business Couch, there's kind of, it flip-flops week to week. One week, I do an interview, and the interview is with an entrepreneur, leader, or thought leader, and we really dig into understanding the psychology that's inside a business. Every business, here's my belief, every business is a people business because everybody who buys, everybody who sells, everybody who works is a human. And it's for humans. And so given that that's the case, we are all, I'll go back to that analogy, we all are kind of like clocks and or watches. and we all have pieces that work really well together. And there are moments in which it isn't working or we struggle. And so the way the podcast works is, I like to say it's where psychology and business sit down to chat. So the entrepreneur, the leader, the business owner, the thought leader, they come, they bring the business and I come and I bring the psychology. And so we sit down together and kind of unpack that. I like to say it's a place of getting deeper insights, deeper conversation, And that translates into deeper understanding and then more deeply impactful action. So if that's of interest to you, feel free to check it out. And if not, it doesn't have to be your jam. Well, we'll definitely provide a link in the show notes so that people can very easily go and find it and and listen. I would love to tell our listeners where else they can find you. So we've got your podcast and where else should they go looking for you if they want to connect? Best place probably is dryishai.com. So you'll be able to find my podcast through that. It's also really where you'll see like what I do and how I do that. And at the moment, um, you can reach out through LinkedIn. Um, I don't spend a lot of time on social media. So it's not the place that I hang out. But a great place to see and connect is there and through the podcast. And you know, you can email me, yishai at dryishai.com. And yeah. Feel free to try something, listen to something, give me feedback, listen to a podcast episode, email me your thoughts. Um, and if you're in a similar place as me, you know, feel free to connect and see how we can raise each other up. Wonderful. Well, I think your your story of just, you know, watching you on your journey this year, this very short period of time where you've gone from, you know, panicked moments and white knuckling through the first quarter to 
all but having a full practice and now contemplating potentially changing your business model in order to serve more people or to change things around a little bit has been so much. It's been so fun and gratifying. And I don't know if it's all fun and gratifying for you, (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) but I, I just so appreciate how willing you are to step into things that you don't know. As we were in the green room, we were saying how humans don't really like to be beginners. And you stepped into this, you know, knowing that there's a whole lot that you didn't know and your willingness to, to work through that and to, to go deep diving and learning has been really admirable. You've inspired me as I've shifted my business model this year as well. And, you know, walked into a lot of unknown and some of it, I just, you know, we just jump into the cold water with both feet, as my German roommate from grad school used to say, <laughs> you just both feet, cold water. And it takes courage to do that. And it takes, you know, tenacity and intention. So I really just, you know, want to sing your praises as I think you are modeling something that others might strive for and don't know how to do. And, you know, I just really appreciate being part of this journey with you. So thank you for being willing to share it with all of us today. Yeah, thank you. Uh, there's so much that we didn't get to. Um, I'll I'll throw in one thing. So my initial goal was 12k a month in revenue, and I hit that. You know, in in March, and not only sustained it by July, I was like 20, 25 percent above that. Um, and I didn't want to work more than a certain number of hours. Right, I carved out six of my business hours. <laughs> to do business development. And so you could just, you know, do some math or imagine how much of the rest of that time is actually away from, um, away from working with clients directly. And I mean, I love, and I want to continue working with clients directly. It's yeah. The, the, the things that I would say, and you kind of said this by way of like jumping in, I would say, try lots of things. That's something that at the beginning, I tried a couple of things and then they weren't especially working. And what helped was I tried seven, eight more things. And then I started to clarify what and and test and figure out what is working, what is helping, what isn't helping, what is fitting, what isn't fitting. Right. So try a lot of things. I like to call that tinker. Tinker. Tinker like your life depends on it. Or tinker like you get to play and it doesn't matter. Both of them can be really motivating or useful depending on your kind of personal approach. Um, Whatever allows you to engage in it and engage in it fully. Try lots of things and make it easy on yourself. Outsource whatever you can in whatever way is reasonable or, you know, kind of not just cost effective, but that you can tolerate. Maybe figure out also how you can push yourself um, to expand. And that's the other thing is uh, expand your capacity. Don't don't just sit with the same capacity. Um, that's where the tinkering and trying to make it easier on yourself comes from expanding your capacity and outsourcing and then thinking long-term working short-term. Uh, I started the year with a goal of where I would be at the end of it. And I started the year with a goal where I would be two years in and five years in. And now I'm thinking two thirds of the way through just my first year in private practice, where do I want to be a decade from now? Yeah. And I think not to go too far off on a tangent, but the pandemic has made it difficult to think long-term. So the ability to do that in the middle of times that are changing rapidly and, you know, we're still, I don't know if we're in the middle, I don't know where we are in this global pandemic, but we're still in it. You know, there was a period of time where I was advising clients, yes, have your long-term goal, but right now we're focusing on maybe three months maximum. This is just where we're at right now. We're going to chunk through this 
right? Because there was a lot of there were a lot of issues for healthcare <laughs> during during the pandemic. Um, but I think that you know we're coming back to thinking longer term and and also planning for that, you know. And and the truth is, is whatever we do today will impact us ten years from now. So what you you said, think long term, work short term. I think that that's just really solid advice, especially for the business owner and. For those of you who are listening, might not think of yourselves as entrepreneurs. You are. <laughs> mm-hmm. You're welcome. That's my big advice for the day. You're. You are. Whenever right. you step out of security into yeah. something that's unknown, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think one of the things you said that the pandemic has like shifted, and it's shifted how we think. It didn't necessarily need to, and I think it makes sense. Our our perspective and our time perspective got very shortened especially because there was repeated ideas that it's going to be temporary. One of the things that I started at the very beginning of the pandemic, I, I two weeks in, even before that, because I was tracking a little bit before all the lockdown happened, I started saying to myself, the constant is that the situation is rapidly changing. Mm-hmm. And that helped me think long-term and work short-term. What happens when we start to think short-term is we actually work and even smaller short term. We can't really see past that. Uh, And don't get me wrong, I'll raise my hand and say, I have certainly struggled many, many times to think in the long term, thinking short term, and then working only on the even shorter term. Um, And sometimes not very much at all um, Mm -hmm. on the things that I had wanted to before I kind of lost this lens or this focus. So it's it's critically important to work on short-term things. And when the environment or the market changes, having to favor therapy as a as a business, you know, and as a practice, the demand for therapy went really high. The the also acceptance of virtual therapy, video sessions went, you know, through the roof. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of things were in a sense in my favor in terms of those factors. However, I have again multiple colleagues who didn't capitalize on that, didn't know how to, again, I'll call it the gear check, um, both kinds, right? My personal gear and then the gears in the watch of their business, right? They didn't necessarily do those things. And then they really got overwhelmed. And that happens to a lot. There are tons of therapists who are completely overwhelmed and they're not able to serve their clients or they're so overwhelmed that they have so little bandwidth that when someone reaches out to them, they're, they're not responding. And now you have people who are reaching out and like out of a dozen therapists, they get less than one response on average. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, and, and that this thinking short-term really affected it. And this is something that I think for me really helped my practice be able to not just survive as much as the market was favorable. It also helped me thrive because the market conditions are sometimes going to be really favorable and sometimes not. And if you're working on short-term, you're looking at these changes and seeing what you can do about it. And you're looking at what does your business do? What does it do it well? How can you communicate that effectively? How can you get more eyeballs to see that? And how can you serve um, and take care of your clients? Um, and that's the short-term work. And then the thinking long-term is, okay, sometimes it's going to be like this. Sometimes it's not. There's a season like this. There's a season like that. And what are the goals I'm anchored in? And how do I navigate? Right, It's kind of like being on a rapids. Like There are going to be moments where you don't need to like you know, super fast paddle your way out of being in front of a rock. And there are other moments where you do need to do that. Um, but the long term is, you know, your destination. Well, I think that's really good stuff. <laughs> yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, I think that 
I, there's so much to to take out of this episode. So for our listeners, you may want to go back and re-listen and take some notes and and you know give yourself time and space to contemplate all of the concepts and the things that we've talked about. I think it's you know it's you've done a great job of like preparing yourself and looking at different avenues for you know client creation for removing as much admin from your plate as possible for automation for all the things. Um, and you know something that really stood out to me is that you, this idea of tinkering. I love that. I, lo- I love tinker because it like it's more playful <laughs> than like test and adjust. Right. This is the language that I use, which is fine. But mm-hmm. tinkering feels more playful and more joyful, and it's not a burden to kind of play around with things and see how it works. So, so for people who are listening, you know, if you're kind of struggling with like maybe it's a little stagnant right now, or you're not really sure what is or isn't working. The piece of advice that I would share is, yes, tinker tinker maybe with one thing at a time so you can see what happens, if anything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it could your time frame might be different anywhere from two weeks to six or eight weeks while you're tinkering with something or maybe even longer if you need to. You know, so I, I just I think that that's a really important piece of having one's own business. Yes, we have the things that don't move, right? Tax law, HIPAA, the, all the things that we need to be, you know, compliant. In. And then the rest is really just a matter of, as you say, tinkering. It's like testing and adjusting and and seeing how it goes, gathering data, and then, you know, applying that across the board. So I think this is really, you know, you're living and breathing this as you grow your practice. And I would love to have you back on the show after whatever is the appropriate amount of time (laughs) that goes by, because I think you're still, you're just getting warmed up. And you've got a lot that you're still developing. And I think even six months or a year from now, I think your business might look a lot different than it does today. And you'll have a lot more lessons to share, I'm sure. Yeah, you kind of alluded to this before. I'm tinkering with my practice model. Mm -hmm. And that's a long-term thought process. And then there's short-term things that I'm figuring out, okay, what do I want to try and how do I want to consider? Jim Collins says, First fire bullets, then cannonballs. Hmm. I like to say fire BBs because I don't like the idea of bullets. But um, you know, first first BBs, see see if the aim is you know right. Does it fit or not? And that's my whole process from you know January to you know February March. Um, and then and then once you're you know you're lined up, then you line up the big shot. It's the last kind of step or phase of a model uh, that I work on and that I work in. I use that for me. I use it for practices. I use it when I work with clients. There's just like a lot. There's there's a lot that it encompasses. Um, and that's really the tip of the iceberg. Mm, so rich. Oh, well, I so appreciate you coming on the show and sharing so generously your wisdom and your experience. Thank you so much for coming. I look forward to hopefully having you back on. Likewise. Thank you. I hope uh, that what I'm sharing is helpful to some people. Yeah. Thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed the second part of my incredible interview with Dr. Yishai. I so appreciate his generosity and how he shares his wisdom and experience of building his practice and tinkering with his business model over the past nine months. I am certain you will learn a lot from this episode and I hope you took notes. Make sure to mark your calendar for Wednesday, November 9th at noon Eastern US time. I'm offering a special masterclass on this very subject of setting aside time for working on your business, ways to do that, and how to avoid burnout. 
You'll not want to miss it. Details are coming in the next week or so, but for now, mark your calendar. Wednesday, November 9th, noon Eastern U.S. time. We will share registration information with you in the coming weeks. So in the meantime, if you are a practice owner and would like to learn more about working with us, visit tracycherpesky.com forward slash medical hyphen practices. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Thriving Practice. I appreciate you coming here week after week, dear listener, to listen and learn how to elevate your leadership, grow your practice, and to think and act like the high-impact CEO provider that you're meant to be. I have one request of you. If you've benefited from this show, go to Apple Podcasts and leave us a five-star review with your thoughts on the show. Your feedback and review help us get in front of other amazing practice owners just like you. Thank you again for listening and until next time.